Your Bibles, can you turn to John chapter 14? John chapter 14. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, this whole issue of praying in Jesus' name. And, and I found this, as I studied, this whole topic to be quite fascinating. So I hope you find it to be the same in your own life and, uh, and hopefully affects our prayers in a very positive way. John chapter 14. Before we begin, let's pray and ask God for his wisdom and guidance. Heavenly Father, there's no one else we can come to who has the words of life. There's nowhere else we can go to find wisdom, the wisdom that is from above, not, as a, not from this earth. And Father, we come to you. In your beloved, clothed in his righteousness, being given his name, and we come to you and we ask and make requests that you open our eyes and our ears, that you work in our hearts and our minds, that you change us and form us into the image of your Son, and that you grow us and sanctify us so that we would be pleasing to you. Grant us the grace we need, even to hear and understand. We look to you as the supplier of every good and perfect gift, the one who gives all things and sustains us and grants us blessing. Blessed be your name, O God, for you are great and good, and we wish and desire you to be exalted. So hear us. Because we are in Jesus. Amen. I want to begin by reading John chapter 14, verse 13. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This particular passage right here, these two verses are really strong, again, powerful verses in reference to prayer and praying in Jesus' name. This is also something that goes on within this particular book of John. And John, look at John 15, verse 16. He goes in the last part of this uh, verse, well, he says at the beginning of uh, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And then if you look down at verse 23, it says, whoever... Oh, wrong verse. Forget that verse. Let's try chapter 16, verse 24. It says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. And so here Jesus is teaching us to pray, teaching his disciples to pray in his name. Those are pretty strong verses, aren't they? I mean, they're saying, you pray for my name, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish in my name, and God will grant it. Well, you know, typically what we do when we go to understand this text and how we often apply it is this. Hey, when you pray, 
tack on the end of it, in Jesus' name, amen. That's a very common ending to most of our prayers, right? Because, hey, well, after all, the Bible says that we're to pray in his name. What does that mean other than we say, in Jesus' name, amen? As if it's some magical ending that guarantees that our prayers will be heard and answered. And that's often as far as it goes. We don't really even understand what we're saying when we say this because we don't speak like this. This isn't the kind of language we use. We don't speak in people's names. We don't bear people's names. And so to to do things in someone's name is very biblical language. It isn't our kind of language. And so I want us to kind of go on a little journey here and discover what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? And one thing we need to do and where we need to begin is understand that in the Bible, a name represents the person. Now, it it does the same for us in a lot of ways, but it's different. It's spoken of. It's used differently in in the Scriptures. For example, when the Scripture speaks of God's name, it often refers to him, God himself, by just using the name. Take, for example, Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, we're familiar with that phrase. But bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless what? His holy name. Well, we often don't bless people's names. The first part makes a lot of sense to us. Bless the Lord. Yeah, we get blessing the Lord. We can bless people. We can bless things. But we, we usually don't bless names. That's not something we talk about. We, um, you know, we don't say to people, bless your name. We, if someone said that to you, hey, bless your name. We go, what are you talking about? Well, I read it in the Bible. I thought I'd try it out. Uh, uh, but the Bible will, will speak like this often, especially in the Psalms. Once again, Psalm 148.13, let them praise the name of the Lord. Now, we say it, but you realize what we're saying? We're saying, let them praise his name. Well, what about him? Let's just, you know, why do we have to praise his name? Let's just praise the Lord, right? He says, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and the heavens. So that's Psalm 148, 13. And then in Joel chapter 2, verse 32, it says this about a promise. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, it's weird to call on someone's name to be saved. Again, that's biblical language that we're used to. But think about it. We don't call on someone's name to be saved unless we're calling their specific name but the bible's using it a little differently than we use it because they would talk about the name represents the person so we would often say let's just skip the step of saying name and let's just say the person let's just call upon god himself you know if we say call upon his name well he will answer he will save us well we can we would say call upon yahweh or call upon god we don't speak like this today, but we still, we still understand that the name represents the person because everything about that person is attached to its name. Now, let me, I'm going to say someone's name, and I, what comes to your mind immediately? You ready? Barack Obama. Boom. Immediately, I said a name, just a name, right? But stuff comes to your mind. His person, his character, what he's like, his office, his position, his authority, 
So what he's done, his track record, and whether or not you like him or don't like him for what he's done, all that's wrapped up in what? Just that name. I mentioned his name, and there's so much there. And so depending on a person's office, depending on a person's authority, depending on a person's character, depending on what they've done in their lives, their name either represents a whole lot or a whole little. We could say our child's name, and to us it represents them and their character and their person and who they are, but until they grow and really develop a reputation, until they really have, like, say, an office or a particular position or something, their name is just, it just has familial connotations. A lot of times it doesn't mean anything to anybody else if they don't know them at all. That name means nothing. So, but we use names this way as a tag, as a representation, as saying, identifying who the person is. Yet in the Bible... Um, it does the same thing, but it, it's more, because they'll actually speak um, not of the person's name specifically, but they'll use that phrase, your name. What's fascinating, if you guys have a Bible help, even if a concordance, um, a physical one, a book type, or if you have uh, software on your computer, type in name. Name in the Bible is used 943 times. I was doing the study, and I thought, wow. And so often, there's this phrase, there's this idea of the name of the person represents the person, but they just say their name. Just as it referred to God, blessed be his name. So this is important to understand. This phrase that Jesus is using isn't common to us. When he says, ask whatever you um, wish in my name, and the Father will give it to you, he isn't referring to just tacking his name on the end of it. He's referring to something else. And this is, we're going to go a little deeper with this. Going, if someone's sent in someone's name, if someone's given someone's name, if Jesus says to go and use my name when you pray, go in my name, he's actually saying to go in his authority. Going in someone's name is to go in their authority. This is what Jesus is doing here. He's giving his disciples authority to pray. To pray with the Father. He's conferring his name upon them. They are here receiving authority by giving, by when he receives his name. You can see this in chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. In chapter 13, you, you ask, who are these people? These aren't just every disciple. Do you realize that these people that he's referring to here are the leaven? Because in chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, now before the feast of Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, okay, this is the Last Supper. Who is he partaking in the Last Supper with? His, the apostles, right? The twelve of them are there. So during the supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid his garments aside, and taking a towel, he goes and washes their feet. And so in the course of this meal, Judas, they find out it's Judas who's going to betray, and he leaves them. And Jesus is giving him, them some final words, and he's talking to them. And here, it's a little different. This is the first time Jesus says to them, he gives them this, he's starting to bestow authority on them. And one of the things he does is he says, now what's going to happen is that you're going to ask whatever you wish in my name, and it'll be done for you. Because what's also going to happen is I'm going to go to the Father, he says just prior to this, and the Father's going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. 
who's going to come to you. Now, obviously, the disciples don't fully understand this at this time, but once the Spirit comes, they start to really get it. Right out of the gate, look what happens. Acts chapter 3 was read for us this morning. We can see how this is worked out. By, by giving them Jesus' name, he's giving them authority. And listen to some of this specific language. This is where Peter, you remember we had the story read, just finishes healing a lame man at the temple. And the crowd gathers around because of it, and this is what Peter says to them. And his name, through faith in his name, do you hear what he just said? His name, Jesus' name, through faith in Jesus' name, he made this man strong. Whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of all. Peter states where this authority came from, how this happened. How did this happen? The crowd is wondering. What does Jesus tell him? I mean, sorry, what does Peter tell him? His name. Who did it? His name did it. He does, it's, it's interesting to me that he doesn't say Jesus did it explicitly. It's his name that did it. Now, again, we don't talk like that. We, don't, we wouldn't put it that way. We would say Jesus did it. Through faith in his name, this happened. And then he goes on, even he says this more explicitly. Peter and John were brought before the Jewish council to explain what had happened. They want to know by whose name did they do this. Well, in Acts 4, 5 through 7. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in their midst, now listen to this, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? A little bit of an odd question, actually. By whose power, how did you do this, might be appropriate questions. You know, where did you get the authority from? That's basically what they're saying, though. Where did you get this authority from? By what power and by whose name? That's a way of saying, did you come in somebody's name, do this in somebody's name? When Peter, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, he goes and addresses them. And he says, this was done by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Do you find that phrasing interesting? This was done by the name of Jesus Christ. Why did he say the name? Why did he say this was done by Jesus Christ? Because when he says this, he's talking about the fact that he himself has been given the name to take and go with, which means he's been given the authority from this name. It's a way of speaking. That's, what they t- that's how they um, talk about somebody who's been given authority from somebody else. In whose name did you come, they would ask. Well, we wouldn't, if we were given authority by someone else and we're going to give, go to do something, we, we, uh, someone that we had approached wouldn't ask, by whose name do you do this? We might say, by what authority do you do this? That'd be, that's more of a common phrase that we hear, right? By what authority do you do, you do this? Well, you can see this on a real practical level. Let me give you an example, I think, that we happens in our home on a, on a regular basis. We will often tell a child to go and talk to a sibling on our behalf, right? So we say to our children, go, you, I want you to go and tell your brother that it's time to go to bed. So they might run down the hall, and they might say, 
um, hey, Johnny, it's time to go to bed. And at that particular moment, Johnny might turn around and say, who says so? Well, if it's just the sibling saying so, they'll tell him to get lost, right? If they say, mom says so, mom told me. Um, we, the, 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 the other child, if they're used to obeying their parent's voice, will say, oh, okay, and that they'll obey it. But they didn't go and say, or the, the sibling didn't ask, by whose name? <laughs> by whose name did you tell me to go to bed? It's like, what are you talking about? Well, I was reading my Bible, and that's what it says. <laughs> No, no. We, we, who told you so? That's simple enough, but not, we don't say by whose name. Who told you so? Or by what authority, we might ask. Who gives, you, who gives you the right? Who's given you the authority, right? That's how we talk. That's how we understand. But we'll never, we don't use this language about in his name. In whose name did you do this? You know? well, I, and, and we say, well, I'm saying this um, by her name. The child says to his sibling, I'm saying this by her name. By whose name? By mom's name. Mom has said, told me to do it. Okay, if that's all we need. And once we understand that, we can, okay, I get it. You've been given authority by the one who has authority, and therefore you go in that person's name. So when we go in somebody's name, we're going with their authority. Here's a great negative example of this. Acts 17. I love this story. Here's an example of someone going under false pretense of another person's name. And you guys probably remember this story. This is the story about those itinerant Jewish exorcists who they're incredibly impressed with what Paul was doing. I mean, people were getting healed by the handkerchief that Paul had. And so they're watching people healed and demons exercised, and they thought, wow, cool stuff. And it says, this is how they put it, that they undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So they thought they would try this out. But they're going to evoke the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus who Paul proclaims. But the evil spirits answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. There you go, trying to go in the name of Jesus when they don't even, they have not been commissioned in the name of Jesus, they've been not given the name of Jesus, they don't have the authority of Jesus. So you can even tell the way they said it, in the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims, you know. And they could tell there's no association, Jesus himself has not placed his name upon you. He's not given you his name, he's not given you, in other words, his authority. Jesus we know, no question. That name? Oh. Well, who's him? He is the king and ruler of heaven and earth. And when he speaks, when he says something, demons jump. Because, as Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And therefore, he says, go, right? 
But go, and we see here in John 14, go. But he says, I want you to know that I'm placing my name on you. And you bear my name, therefore you have authority. So here's, here's, here's something else we need to understand. So not only that when we, have, we take Jesus' name upon ourselves, when we pray in his name, we're praying with his authority. There's, this, there's another component here, and it's this. When we go in somebody's name, we're, we're acting as their representative, as if they were there themselves. When Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, he wasn't just talking about an authority that we have, but also a position we have. Going in someone's name is acting as their representative. God placed his name on his people. Do you realize this? Even in the Old Covenant, God would do this. He says, I place my name on you. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 7-1, this is where God tells Moses what he's to do with Aaron's sons about how they're to bless the children of Israel. And this is that great Aaronic blessing, they call it, you know, number six blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But you know what it says next in 7.1? Immediately following, it says these words. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. So with that blessing... He says, they're putting my name on them. That's all, again, that's odd language, right? But really all he's saying is that they, these are my people bearing my name. They have my name. This is actually also what's tied up in the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It's come to me over the years that you're, you can live however you want, but you dare not say from your mouth any kind of curse word using God's name. Of course, that's blasphemous and it's wrong. But what's really meant in the third commandment is to his people, you bear my name. And actually in the Hebrew, taking upon them is to bear them. They have God's name upon them. So you're not to take your name or bear that name upon yourself in vain. And when it's in vain is when you actually have the name of God, you're his representatives in the earth, and then someone goes and lives like the representative of the devil... They are taking his name. They've had his name placed upon them in vain. So this is this whole idea of representation needs to be understood. Because you know what? Do you realize that we also take his name upon us? When Jesus, again, let's go back to Matthew 28. When Jesus in Matthew 28 said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing, you remember what the phrase says? Baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Again, we use that phrase, baptize them into the name of. But what does that, what does that mean? It means they're going to have their name, my name, placed upon them. They're going to be my representatives. They become my holy people, my priesthood of believers. These are my representatives in the world so that the world will know that I live through them. They'll know you're my disciples by your love. And even we can go back into Deuteronomy chapter 4, and he talks about the nations will know and see and understand my greatness, my glory, my wisdom through you living and obeying and living in covenant with me. 
So we too actually bear the name. We, you have the name Jesus. If you're baptized, you've been baptized into his name. You be, his name's been placed onto you and you're his representatives in the world. This is why Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, 17, whatever you do in word or in deed, now get this, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. You're to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? You're his. He's, you're part, you've come into his name. His name is placed upon you. You are his representatives. Today, if we were commissioned by a high official, like, say, the president, we would go, and that's what ambassadors are. Ambass- we call them ambassadors. They go to foreign countries, and they go representing the country. So a name has been placed upon them. We placed um, the name ambassador. But in biblical times, you would actually have that person's name placed on you. So if you were to go as a representative, um, say if you're, you know, even talks about in scriptures in Samuel about David sending um, some delegates, and they go in his name. He places his name on them. So now we, they might be given... In our day, we give them a new name, and we have a name that helps us understand who they are. They're representatives of the, of the person. But in biblical times, if you were to go as a representative, you would have a name placed on you. Depending on whose name you had placed on you, would depend on whether or not you were listened to. So it's not just authority. It's also representation. There's two things. You represent the actual person in their absence, and you represent and you have their authority in their absence. And so we ask the question now, what was Jesus talking about? We go back to our text and it says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now why? Because, again, Jesus' name... In Jesus, he, ha- he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is over all. And he has done something incredible. He's taken his position, his power, and he's made disciples, and he's put his name on them. And I want you to go. You know what this means? That you are Jesus' hands, you are Jesus' feet, you are Jesus' mouth in the world. You are his representatives. You are a priestly nation. You are a people chosen. You are a people chosen by God, baptized into his name to go and proclaim his praises and be representations to the world and to go with his authority into the world to make disciples of all nations. And so here's the thing. When we pray in Jesus' name, we go to the Father and ask what a representative of Jesus would ask. So do you realize, as a representative, your life is no longer your own? It doesn't belong to you. You don't go and live on your behalf of your name. You go and live on the behalf of someone else's name. Because you bear their name. You're their representative. So if we think this means that we're to think about what it is we want. Let's read this passage again. And it says, Whatever you ask... Ooh, all like man, juicy, juicy one here. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Whoa, that sounds pretty good. So now, what do you want? We start thinking, wow, this is pretty wide open. I can, 
man, I'm thinking, there are people who do this, by the way. Um, I could really use a nice home. I would like that. That's, that's something that says whatever. That qualifies as whatever, doesn't it? It fits under that category. But we're failing to understand it's not a magic potion to get what we want, remember. When the name is conferred upon you, you're actually asking as one who's a representative with their authority. So you actually now ask and you pray as one having the mindset of a representative. I'm asking and praying as, the, as Jesus himself would ask and pray. That's, that's understanding what is being said here. You remember in Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know what Paul says, why he says this? Because he's been placed in Jesus, and Jesus' name has been placed upon him in his baptism, and now he carries Jesus' name, and the life he lives, he lives to God. Therefore, this is the reality. And if he doesn't live according to this reality, then he's taken Jesus' name in vain and broken the third commandment. So, we don't live our lives as individuals who do our own thing. And then we go to the Father and say, hey, we need something. Let's go to the Father and we'll ask him in Jesus' name. That's not what he's saying. We actually are people who live like Jesus himself lived. Now, what's interesting is Jesus is conferring something onto his disciples, and he's just finished telling them about how he himself lived before the Father. If you go back, look at John 14, verses 8 through 11. John 14 Philip says something to him, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. What is Jesus saying? He's saying here the same thing he's been reiterating throughout the Gospels. I I am not here to speak my own words. I speak the words that my Father has given me. I'm here to do the will of my Father who's in heaven. I'm his representation. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's how I live. I live my life to the glory of the Father. I speak his words. I do his will. I have come from beginning to end to obey him and to live according to him, to give my life up to him. And now Jesus is doing something here where he turns to his disciples and he's placing his name upon his disciples. And these disciples now are to go and he says, ask whatever you wish or ask whatever you ask in my name, it'll be done for you. 
Do you guys, do you see there's a fundamental difference between asking whatever you can dream up as, some, as an individual who has a lot of dreams and wants and asking as somebody who's a representative given the authority of Jesus? You are no longer speaking your own words. You're no longer thinking your own thoughts. Your desires need to be his desires. Your words, his words. Your thoughts, his words. So what does this mean? For example, now when we pray, we need to be thoughtful. That we're not just praying for our own good, our own comfort, our own glory, our own kingdom. Because it's not about you. But when we pray, we need to be praying for God's kingdom, God's glory, that God's will be done. And even Jesus, you remember we finished talking about what should we pray for? What's the number one thing, the very first things he tells us in the priority of prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, this to me a soul passion. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. My number one, my first priority and passion in prayer is the glory of your name. Your kingdom come so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. This starts and prioritizes our prayer where we have to understand when we pray in Jesus' name, we got to think like Jesus. We got to act as representatives. So, You guys are priests in the world. You guys are Jesus' hands in the world. You guys are Jesus' mouth and feet in the world. You know what this means in terms of prayer? It gives incredible authority if one is going to act as a representative of Jesus. And here's the thing. Your neighbor has something going wrong, and you, you, um, you tell them, may I pray for you. Don't just go as some willy-nilly person. You're not. You're somebody who's had Jesus' name placed on you to be a priest to your nation. You should pray for all kinds of things for your neighbors, that the glory of Jesus might be seen. And you want to pray. I think it's so important for them to see you pray, to know that you pray, and that I'm not praying. This is not me. I am going to pray as a representative of Jesus, and you watch what Jesus does in your family. We need to do this a lot more. We need to pray for our neighbors. We need to be the priest in our neighborhoods. We need to love people, reach out to people, find out what their needs are, and say on behalf. And so now we step in as like a priest in the gap, and we say, can I pray for you? Because that is really where our power's at. That's where they're going to see that through the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus, so many powerful things are done. This world is filled with damage, with pain, with broken relationships, with people who are fallen. And so we are ministers in this world. We're priests in this world. And you, folks, you don't understand because you're in Jesus what you can pray for these people. And you might be just utterly shocked at what happens because you are his representative. This gives glory to Jesus. It gives glory to his name. So your neighbor's ailments, your neighbor's relationships, your neighbor's work. It's, I think it's important that the world sees that we pray. We go to our Father and we pray because we're in Jesus and you watch Jesus work in their lives. So they see his power, they see his goodness, they see his greatness, and they're not going to be glorifying you. And if they are, you've got to help them continue to understand, no. Did you see what I did? It wasn't me. I went to the Father in the name of the Son, and I prayed for you. 
We have got to begin praying, I think, even for one another this way. Understanding our callings, that we're called to pray as representatives of Jesus, those who've been given his name and his authority to go and to pray that the Father be glorified. This is even what your baptism says to you. Everyone here who's baptized has been baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His name is upon you. So what does this mean? It means this, that you are representatives of Jesus with his authority going out into the world. And this is what he says to you. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And you know the primary motivation here? Look what happens. I love this at the end of verse 13. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's what happens when we pray as we ought to pray. When we pray as Jesus' representatives, we're seeking to glorify the Father, and when action and things take place, we know who to praise, and it's not ourselves. It's God. This is what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And I think once we understand that, it really changes the way we pray. Amen. Father, I ask that you would grant us grace, that you would... Help us to understand that we would not bear your name in vain, but take it upon us and act as Jesus in the world. That we would be prayerful people, people who are praying and watching you move and work and act in life. So that you would be exalted, you would be glorified, your name would be honored and esteemed. Glorify yourself. And may we pray. Pray for those around us. Pray for our neighbors. Pray for the world. And as we do so, pray as those who are representatives of Christ with his authority in the world. For we ask this because we're in him. Amen.